uh, more assembling, and today we're going to look at the topic of more Bible, more Bible, amen? You can't get enough of the Word of God, and we need it, and uh, we, I think, I don't know how often, I hope not very often, that we miss the treasure that we have in the inspired, infallible, preserved Word of God that we have in front of us, amen? Amen. So I, uh, it's a rainy day today, and it's kind of sleepy. I'll try to not make put you to sleep this morning, and uh, <laughs> and so uh, Psalm 119. It's called the the Word of God Psalm, and uh, longest Psalm there is about 176 verses, if I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in that uh, in that range, and. You know, there's never been a book like the Bible, right? There never has been. There's never been a book that has been more hated. There's never been a book that has been more sought after. There has never been a book that has been more popular. There's never been a book that more people have died for. There has never been a book that has been more miraculous. And yet there's never been a book that has been more loved. And I'm thankful for the Word of God this morning. And the purpose of the message today is not to prove the Bible is divine in origin. We believe that, amen? We, uh, we, we're not, I'm not here to prove that the Bible is inspired, meaning God breathed. The words were God breathed. The, the, the writers weren't inspired. The words were inspired. And they were moved along of the, of the Holy Ghost. So I'm not here to prove that the, the Bible inspi- is inspired. We believe that this morning. I'm not here to prove that the Bible is inerrant. We believe that this morning. I'm not here to prove this morning that, that, that we, why we believe that the King James Bible is, is the inspired, preserved, and errant Word of God for the uh, English-speaking people. I mean, I think by and large we believe that this morning. And I, I mean, I could take months of messages to lay out our arguments for all of these things that we believe uh, uh, and, and that we could prove from the Word of God. Uh, why we believe these things, but the purpose of the message this morning <clears throat> is to see what place the Word of God has in our life, what place the Word of God has in our life. In 2021, the Barna Institute did a survey with the American Bible Society, and they found that 26% of Americans believed that the Bible was the actual Word of God that could be taken literally word for word, 26%. Another 29% that the, believed that the Bible was the inspired Word of God. It has no errors, although, this was their words, although some verses were meant to be taken symbolically, okay? Uh, and then a third uh, thing that caught my attention of this, of this uh, survey, 15% believed that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, but has some factual and historical errors. Okay? So if you take all of, those, it, it, all, all of those top three groups, you come up with 70% of Americans, whether it varies in between there, but 70% of Americans believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. That's incredible. Right? That's actually encouraging when you go out because sometimes you can go out and believe, oh, they just nobody believes it anymore. Oh, well, this survey is a pretty recent survey, and they have found from their survey about 70% of Americans believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Now, but watch this now. When it comes to using the Bible in their own personal life, 19% of the 70% read it daily. 19%. 
of the 70% that say we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God and we have it here today, 19% read it daily. 21% read it once or twice a year. Once or twice a day. 29% say they never read their Bible. That is 29%, not of the U.S., 29% of the 70% that say we believe the Bible is the Word of God. 30%, almost 30% never read their Bible. Right. You combine those, those top, those lower three tiers from those that never read their Bible to one, those that read their Bible once or twice a year, you come up with 50% of the 70% essentially spend no meaningful time in the Word of God and apply it to their life. It's amazing. It's amazing. So this morning, I don't want to look at where we place the Bible among other books. That's not my purpose this morning. My purpose is I want to look at the Word of God to see what, it place, what place it should have in us what place it should have in us. There's some preliminaries that I want to kind of show, uh, get into before we dive into the points of the message this morning. And one of the preliminaries I want to just kind of lay out here is that the Bible, when we know this, but it's a good reminder, the Bible is a communication between God and man. Amen? The Bible, amen? I think, does nobody believe this? Okay, good, thank you. Oh, my word. This is like the easiest thing. It's not some deep theology here, Okay. The Bible is a communication between God and man. It is our only source for knowing Jesus Christ. That is it. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus said, Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn of me. And, and you'll find that I'm meek and lowly in heart, and there until you find rest for your souls. What, how do we learn of Jesus except by the Word of God? Uh, Paul said in Philippians 3.10, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto His death. How do we know the Lord Jesus Christ? We can't know the Lord Jesus Christ outside of the Word of God. That is why when we read the Bible, we read the Bible to learn of Jesus. He has revealed himself. He has revealed his heart. He has revealed his will. In Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, the Bible says that God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. And how has he done that? It's through the word of God. Notice this also about this precious word of God. The Bible is a love letter. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How would we even know John 3.16 if we didn't have it recorded? The Bible is a love letter. The Bible is a manual. It's a manual. It shows you how to live life. How many get a manual with that new freezer or with that new stove or with that new refrigerator? How many read the manuals that come with them? What is wrong with you? That's right. Plug it in and we'll figure it out if something goes wrong. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, isn't that what people do with the Word of God? We, we, we have a manual. Come to, we come into this new family with Jesus. We're adopted by Jesus Christ. We have a new father. We have an elder brother. We have the Holy Spirit of God, right? And we have a manual and we do that and we just go and live life and then wonder why. Well, we plugged it in. I'm plugged into the Holy Spirit. I don't know why it's not working. Well, we got a manual, 
Read the book, right? Read the book. It's a love letter. It's a manual. Not only that, it's a book of history. I hope I can find my place again. It's a book of history. No, it's not a history book, but it is a book of accurate history. Why, why would we want a book of history? Well, you've heard the saying, what man never learns from history is that they never learn from history. I tell you what, we have examples here right in the Word of God. We have a historical uh, evidence of the working of God in the lives of His people. And not only that, I love this, it's a great book of genealogy. I don't even have that in my notes. But listen, without the genealogy of Jesus Christ, right? you know what? We don't have any really valid way to prove that who He is, what He says He is. I love that. It, this is the Bible. This is the Word of God. We read it to know the heart of Jesus. We read it to know the mind of the Lord Jesus. We read it to know the will of Jesus. God wrote a book and He gave it to us so that we could know Him and love Him and obey Him. And what I want to show you this morning, I want to show you four things about the Bible that should cause us to make it number, a number one priority in our life. I'm going to show you four things this morning. The first thing I do want to show you is that the Bible is the, is the provision, within the Bible are the provisions for our lives. There are provisions. I'm just going to read you a lot of verses this morning. It's going to be real easy. You know why that's good? It's less of me talking and more of this talking. That always ends up better, trust me. You're like, I know. I know that. You know what the Bible does? You know what it provides for us? It provides for us protection from sin. Protection from sin, number one. Psalm 119.11. In our text here this morning, Brother Jen read it. Look at verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Right? That word hid, that word hid, have I hid, it's one word. In the, in the Hebrew, and it means to treasure or to store up. Watch this. When you treasure the Word of God and store it up in your heart, how do you do that? Well, one way you got to do is memorize it, right? You memorize it and meditate upon it and you store it up. It keeps us, it is a provision that keeps us from sin. Absolutely. Amen. Number two, it cleanses your life. Psalm 119, look at verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? That word way means a pattern of life, a way of life. How do you keep, a, how do you keep your life clean? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The Bible protects us from sin. The Bible keeps a life clean. It keeps a way clean. Not only that, the Bible provides peace and safety. Look at Psalm 119, look at verse 165. Go a couple pages over, 165. <clears throat> great peace have thy, they, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That word offend is not like we use it today when, well, he offended me. Right? Can I tell you, you, you have to allow people to offend you? That's another story. But this word here, offense, means to cause to stumble. Great peace have they which love thy law, in, 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 which love thy law, in, and, and uh, nothing, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Listen, if you, have great, if you have great joy in the word of God, if it's stored up in your heart, it's treasured up in your heart, it's something that you meditate on day and night, it's something that you love, I'm telling you, it provides peace to your life. It provides a peace and a safety and a tranquility of your life. You can tell those Christians who are Bible readers and Bible meditators, they have a peace in their life that others don't have. Yeah. What's the alternative to that? You keep the, you keep the Bible out of your life and your heart. What's in there? Well, the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
That doesn't bring peace. Absolutely not. So it provides protection from sin. It provides cleansing in our life. It provides peace and safety. Psalm 119, verse 105, it provides light. It provides light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Psalm 100, uh, 119, verse 130, the Bible says, The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Hey, you can be, a, you can be an ignoramus dope. I, I'm probably not defining the word simple quite well, okay? But you can, listen, you can be not real bright, but you get, listen, you get immersed in the Word of God, and the Word of God will give light to even the simple. Even the, hey, I've known, known some that haven't had the, the greatest amount of brains given to them at birth, but they have a lot more wisdom than the one with the brains. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? Because the entrance of the Word giveth light. It gives light. Not only that, it discerns the heart. The Bible protects us from sin. It cleanses our life. It provides peace and safety. It gives us light. And not only that, it, it, it discerns our heart. How many of you read through the Bible? I've just been mentioning this quite a bit lately. It seems like things come up in patterns. But uh, I've, uh, I, how many things, have, you've had things in your life that nobody knows about, challenges nobody knows about, maybe sin that nobody knows about, and you sit down and read the Word of God, and boy, the, the Word of God starts to convict you about something. It wasn't because wasn't anybody brought it up. Or, I mean, the Word of God knows. It's a discerner of the Heart, Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This book knows our heart, amen? No, that's a great provision for us. We ought to thank the Lord for that. Why? We saw Wednesday night, we don't even know our own heart at times. It's deceitful and above all else, desperately wicked who can know it. But the Word of God knows it. God knows it. Not only that, the lastly, it testifies of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that. Without the Word of God, we don't know Jesus. Jesus said in John 5.39, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. The Jews thought because they had the oracles of God, that was their life. Well, I have the, I've got the manual, right? I've got the manual. right? But you don't have the stove. That's like running around with the manual without the refrigerator. I got the manual. Whew. Food's doing great. I've got the manual. No, it's not. It's all thawed out on the floor. It's rotten. But I got the manual. See, Israel believed that. I had the oracles of God. Jesus said, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. You know what I, I would do if I found a manual with no stove? I'd have to, you'd have to go, well, where's the stove? Right? I'd go looking for the stove. Who cares about the manual if you don't have the stove? Right? Holes sitting in your cabinets with no stove, that's not good. Right? The Bible is provisions for our life. Provisions for our life. Number two, the Bible, you know what's within the Bible that we notice about the Word of God is the power that it has. Not only provisions for our life, but the power that it has. So much power that people want to burn it. So much power that people, uh, that lives can be completely transformed by it. One of these days you should, you should uh, read the book by... Uh, um, William Murray, it was Madeline Murray O'Hare's son who was transformed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, grew up in that atheist home. He grew up in a cesspool of a house, grew up where, where atheism, as everybody knows, Madeline Murray O'Hare, most people do in this room. And I'm telling you, he grew up in that lifestyle, but he came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and the power of the word of God absolutely transformed his life. 
It's an, ama- it's an awesome thing. And listen, you don't have to be a Murray and grow up in an atheist home to be, have a transformed life. You can grow up in a Christian home, in a godly home, and grow up in church being dragged every week to church and still need a life transformed by God. And listen, that is the power of the Word of God. The, 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 the power has so much power that the world is going to be judged by it one day. It has so much power, you bring it with you into certain circumstances and people will start getting away from you, right? Lester Olaf said, when I'm flying, if you ever want to be alone in the airplane, pull your Bible out and start reading. They'll get, away, they'll walk, they'll, they'll get, they'll get as far away as they, they can, right? He, say, he went on to say this, but I'll tell you this, when that plane gets, goes, starts going down, they'll be sitting in your lap. <laughs> they'll be wanting answers, right? Hey, it has power, does it not? The Bible is alive. We just read in Hebrews 4.12 that it is quick means it's alive. It is quick and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing into, uh, any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints of the marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is quick. It is powerful. It is alive. The Word of God is powerful in that it is eternal. In our text here in Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The Bible says over in Isaiah chapter 40, you know, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth away, but the word of the Lord abideth forever. Forever. It is powerful. It is alive. It is eternal. Listen, the word of God brings growth and stability. Psalm 1, right? Uh, uh, Psalm, Psalm 1, um, how do I, why do I do this? Um, what, how does Psalm 1 start? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in what? The law of the Lord, and it, in his law doth he meditate day and night. What does it go on to say? He shall be like a tree, a tree, stability, planted by the rivers of water that giveth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, you know, neither shall his uh, fruit Leaf also shall not wither and the fruit perish. I'm not, man, I missed the mess with the rest of that. But we're talking about stability. Stability, longevity, fruit bearing. The Bible brings growth and stability in our life. It changes us. It absolutely changes us. Not only this, the power that it has, and that the Bible is indestructible. Amen. And Peter one twenty first Peter one twenty three, born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. It is indestructible. I sat in a church service about 26 years ago, maybe, somewhere in that vicinity, and uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. And there was a guest preacher at church that night, and nobody knew who he was. It was just somebody had come through, and he was allowed to preach. And at one point in his message, he made the fatal error of stating this. In 20 years, he said, this King James Bible is going to be obsolete. And the preacher said, um... Our people believe that book. You better stop it. <laughs> and he, oh, he backed up. And I'm just trying to say, I'm just trying to, 26 years ago, he said in 20 years, this Bible is going to be obsolete. This, this King James Bible is going to be obsolete. Can I tell you, it may not be the number one seller anymore because of the, in the United States because of the proliferation of literally 50 different versions of the English Bible, of the English versions, at least 50 of them, Right? It's still, but for 400 years it was top, and it's still about, I think, number two or three. Some may argue it's where that is. Can I tell you, we're still reading it this morning. Listen, the Word of God is indestructible. It is indestructible. Uh, we, hey, we still have 
the manuscript copies, copies of, the, of the received text, what it's even translated from. It's indestructible. It is indestructible. It's powerful. The Bible has provisions for our life, but it's powerful in our life. It's powerful in our life. Not only that, the third thing we notice here about the Word of God is the person whom it reveals. The person whom it reveals. Number one, it reveals the Father. John 10, 29, Jesus said, My Father which gave them me is greater than all. Jesus said, I have a Father. The Father, John 16, 16, a little while, and ye shall not see me. And again a little while, and ye shall see me. Why? Jesus said, because I go to the Father. The Word of God reveals God the Father. The Word of God reveals in Matthew 6, 9, and Jesus said, After this manner, pray you therefore, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We see in the Word of God the person it reveals in the, in the first person of the Godhead, our Heavenly Father. This is who we pray to. This is the access that we've been given to, to directly to, to the Father because of Jesus Christ. Not only that, the Bible reveals the Holy Spirit of God. Psalm 119, here in our text, look at verse 18. Psalm 119, verse 18, and it says this, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Who opens our eyes? Who illuminates the Word of God but the Holy Spirit of God? John 16, 13, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. <clears throat> and He will show you things to come. I wonder how excited the Holy Spirit is when there are doves on church walls all over the place. It's not his prayer. He didn't come for, he, he, he did not come to speak of himself. He came to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. But we see here the revelation of the Word of God reveals to us the third person of the Godhead uh, reveals to us the Holy Spirit of God. The third thing we notice that the Bible uh, reveals to us, obviously, is the Lord Jesus Christ. I read John 5.39, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Can I, could you just bear with me for about three minutes? I want to read something to you. I want to show you, I want to show you Jesus and the entire Word of God. Would you bear with me? Because in Genesis, He is, he is the Creator and He's the promised Redeemer. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the water in the desert. In Deuteronomy, he is the lawgiver, but he becomes the curse for us. Not only that, is he is the rock that was smitten once. I mean, we could go on and on through these books. In Joshua, he's the commander of the army of the Lord. He's the captain of our salvation. Amen. In Judges, he delivers us from injustice. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he is, uh, the, the, he is prophet and priest and king. In 2 Samuel, he is the king of grace and love. In 1 Kings, he is a ruler who is greater than Solomon. In 2 Kings, he is that powerful prophet. In 1 Kings, he's the son of David that's coming to rule. In 2 Chronicles, uh, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, he's the king who reigns eternally. In Ezra, he's the priest proclaiming freedom. In Nehemiah, he's the one who restores that which is broken down. In Esther, he is the protector of the people. In Job, he is the mediator between God and man. In Job, he is the redeemer. When, G when Job said, I know my redeemer liveth and shall stand on the earth someday. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalms, he is our songs in the morning and in the night. In Proverbs, 
Proverbs, somebody said, He is our wisdom and Ecclesiastes, our meaning for life, and Song of Solomon, the author of faithful love, and Isaiah, suffering servant, and Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and Lamentation, he assumes God's wrath for us, and Ezekiel, he's the son of man, and Daniel, he is the son of man uh, coming, and Hosea, he's the faithful husband, even when we run off. In Joel, he's sending his spirit to his people. In Amos, he delivers the justice to the oppressed. In Obadiah, he's the judge of those who do evil. In Jonah, he's the great missionary, right? He casts, in Micah, he casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. In Nahum, he proclaims future world peace. We can't even imagine that's coming. In Habakkuk, he crushes injustice. In Zephaniah, he's a warrior who saves. In Haggai, he restores worship. In Zechariah, he prophesies a Messiah pierced for us. We see in Haggai and Zechariah, Malachi, he's a son of righteousness who brings healing in his wings. In Matthew, he's the Messiah who's king. In Luke, he's the Messiah who's deliverer. In John, he's the Messiah who is God in the flesh. In Acts, he is the spirit who dwells in his people. In Romans, he's the righteousness of God. First Corinthians, he's the power and the love of God. In Second Corinthians, he's the down payment of what's to come. In Galatians, he's our very life. In Ephesians, the unity in the church. In Philippians, he's the joy of our life. In Colossians, he holds the supreme position of all things. Yeah, he is, he, is, he is head over all things. In 1 Thessalonians, he is our comfort in the last days. In 2 Thessalonians, he's our returning king. He's our returning king. First Timothy is a savior to the worst of sinners. In Second Timothy, he is a leader of the leaders. In Titus, he's the foundation of faith. In Philemon, he, he is our mediator. In Hebrews, he's our high priest. In James, he's our maturity in the faith. In First Peter, he's our hope in time of suffering. In Second Peter, he's the one who guards us from false teaching. In First John, he's the source of all fellowship. Second John, God in the flesh. Third John, he is the source of all truth. In Jude, he protects us from stumbling. And in Revelation. He is the Alpha Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The entire Word of God reveals Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the provision for our life. The Word of God is a provision for our life. We see the power that it has. We see the person that it reveals. But lastly... Here's where the rubber meets the road this morning. It shows us the place that it should have in our life. See, we can know all of the truths of the Bible, but until the Bible takes a lodging in our heart, in so many ways it's, we make it just another book. No, it's not just another book, but we make it another book. We notice here, the place that it should have in our life in Psalm 1 and verse 2 says the godly man he says he doth meditate on it day and night you know the place the word of God should have in our life it should have a place in our life of meditation of rumination of getting a verse and, and thinking about it on all, all day you ever have that? You just have a verse that sticks with you all day? Sticks with you for days or weeks or months maybe? What are you doing? You just meditate on it. You think about it. You, you think about how it applies. You think about the other verses that are connected. No, we ought to meditate on the Word of God. We ought to memorize the Word of God. Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart. I told you that word hid means to treasure up, to hide away and to treasure up. We ought to memorize the Word of God. Thirdly, we ought to study it. We ought to study it. 
2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's not just one thing to, to memorize. It must be meditated upon and memorized, but we got to study it so we can apply it, right? A, 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 a workman, an, an approved workman that needeth not be ashamed. It's labor to study the Bible. It's labor to rightly divide the Bible. It takes work and time and effort to do those things. But listen, that is the place that should have in our life. How many people spend countless amount of hours right, working on a trade, on their trade, honing their skills and honing their understanding of it and getting better at what they do. And that's a wonderful thing. There's nothing wrong with that. And it should be done. But with the Word of God, the Word of God, it should have a place in our life of that we memorize it and we meditate upon it and we study it. We get into the deepest details of it. We allow the Holy Spirit of God to teach us. Yeah. But not only that, I mean, you do all of those things, but you know what else you got to do? You got to preach it. You got to preach it. Romans 10, 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. Well, preaching and being a pastor are two different things. Well, I, I, can't, I can't, you know, preach to this person or that person. I mean, uh, what is preaching? Preaching is just giving information where the person has to make a decision. Giving them truth of the Word of God where they have to make a decision. And you, you do that at your workplace. And you might do it at a grocery store. And you might do it at the post office. And you really need to do it if you deal with the IRS. I mean, you gotta, they need a lot of preaching, right? They, yeah, they do. And, uh, but anyway, uh, you, you preach it. You give them the truth of the word. When, when your paths cross <clears throat> with somebody and the door opens with the gospel, you give them the gospel and you bring them to the place where they've got to make a decision on it. It's got to be preached. You know why so many can't, many can't preach the gospel on any given time? Because they haven't memorized it. They haven't meditated on it. They haven't studied it. They don't know it. They don't know it. You ever hear somebody t say, well, yeah, the Bible says, and you think, yeah, you don't read the Bible, do you? Sure. <laughs> I don't think you've read that much. I know it says somewhere, something like, the, you know, I, I know it says, you know, the idle hands are the devil's workshop, right? No, it's good, good thought, there's a principle there, but no, it doesn't say that. You got to know it to preach it. What did Paul leave with Timothy? One of the last letters he would have written from prison before he was executed. Preach the word, Timothy. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished in all good works. Preach the word. Preach it. Not only memorize it, not only meditate on it, not only, not only study it, rightly divide it, not only preach it, hey, love it. You know what I think? If you love it, those things will fall right into place. Love it. In our text in Psalm 119, the Bible says in verse 10 and 11, Wherewithal shall, or verse 10, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandment. With my, David said, With my whole heart, with all of my heart, I have sought thee out. Verse 11, Thy word have I hidden my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Love, love the word of God. But finally... I said finally. This is my twice. This is my two finalies, right? 
if you're keeping count. I may have two more if you keep it up, okay? Finally, Psalm 119, verse 1. Live it. Live it. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Live it. You know what you find out? You won't live it if you don't love it. And if you don't love it, you won't preach it. If you don't preach it, you're not going to memorize it. If you're not going to memorize it, you're probably not going to meditate on it. There's an order there. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Preach it. Love it. Live it. Live the Word of God. It's the provision for our life. It's the, the power for our life. It's the person that it reveals. It's the place that it ought to have in our life. The Bible is God's love letter. It's how we learn of Him. It's how we understand what He has revealed of Himself. It's where, we, it's where we find out what He thinks about us. He created us in His own likeness and image. He loves us. He rescued us. He even came to the conclusion, yeah, I know you sinned, but I still want you with me forever. I know you messed everything up. I, I, I know you've destroyed everything. But I still want you with me forever. I would never know that if it wasn't for the word of God. Jesus went to a house in Bethany for a meal one day. And we know the story, right? He's sitting there and visiting. If he was here at our house, Alan, he'd be sitting around chewing the fat, right? Just chewing the fat, talking. And uh, Martha's sitting there at his feet, or Mary's sitting there at his feet. Just taking it all in. No, she's just taking in the Lord Jesus. Everything he's saying. Just sitting there. I'd love to see in her eyes. I'd love to see how she looked at him. Oh, yeah. There's Martha. Plates. Dishes. Looking at Mary. And finally, would you tell her to get up and help me? Right? Martha. Martha. You're cumbered about by much care. Just stop. It's okay. We'll eat. Right? Martha's chosen the better thing to do. She, she had time. This was, this was the time in her day that she got to sit at the feet of Jesus and she stayed there while the busyness around her was going on. Yeah. He said, Mary, Mary's chosen the greater part, Martha. Leave her alone. You know, when we get close to the Lord, every time we open the letter, we read it, we memorize it. We ought to meditate on it. We ought to just soak in it. Just soak it up. Yeah. You know, you see here, the Word of God. This is my third finally, I think. I was thinking about this early this morning. It's like a tuning fork. Ms. Carolyn, do you have a tuning fork? Is it, a, is it an A? Look at that. 435 hertz or? 
440. Yep. Isn't that neat? And you'll come with a tuning fork and you'll hit that thing and it'll vibrate at an A. And you'll tune an instrument to the tuning fork. To the tuning. Somebody will come in front of the orchestra and they'll, you know, they may hit that tuning fork and every instrument, whatever string it is, whether it's a cello or an oboe or, a, or any stringed instrument, they'll, tu they'll tune that, they'll tune, they'll turn that instrument on A. They'll pick the A on their, whichever, wherever the string is on the instrument, which one is A, they'll pick that. They'll tune that, 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 that uh, string to A and then they can uh, adjust off of that one, one uh, note A. They'll adjust everything else from there. You know, the Word of God is our tuning fork. Come thy fount of every blessing. Tune thy heart to sing thy praise. You know how we tune our heart to sing of the grace of God? We tune it by the Word of God. It's a tuning fork. It's a tuning fork. You know, you can play this piano. If I set up with the tuning fork over here, A wouldn't sound real good. <laughs> you know, life can look pretty good. Watch, your life can be looking just fine if you'd put the fork away. And you kind of mesh in with all of the other instruments that are running around on the planet. You can, might even look better and sound better, right? But if you pull the fork out, it'll start to reveal, oh, you're a little bit out of tune right here. You're out of tune here. You're out of tune here. You're out of tune here. Saints, we've got to have the Word of God embedded into our life. It's got to be a thing that is, it just, is, is our life, watch, our life gets planned around it. We don't plan it around our life. It's got to be the center of it all. Absolutely. The Word of God, it tunes our heart. But you can't be in tune <laughs> if you're never in the book. So let me ask you this morning, how tuned in is your heart? How in tune is your heart with the Word of God? Let me ask you something. Is it, is it a right thing to say, this is a question, is it, is it a right thing to say you love your husband or you love your wife if you have no desire to be with them? Is it right to say that? I mean, would that seem like a contradiction? Would it seem like something's like, ding, out of tune, like something's not lining up with the fork, right? Is it right to say I'm in love with Jesus if we never pick up a book, a letter? Is it right to say that? No, I know life's busy. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who was telling me they don't go to this church, but they were telling me, oh, I just, you know, I just sit down and I'm going to make a, a, a schedule to read my Bible and about two days in, it's gone. It just frustrates me to no end. I know I get that. I, I, I absolutely, I get that. We, we, live, we live with this flesh. I get it. We live with busyness. We live with life. I get it. One of the greatest changes I made in my life in tuning my life to the fork was came by a message I was watching online one Sunday at, uh, evening after church. We were watching a message from a church out in California. I was watching this, and he made one statement about, about, about the necessity of the man of the house being up before everybody else and in the Word of God before anybody ever gets out of bed. He said, you ought to be out of bed before she gets up. And they, I mean, It was just like a, a knife. 
And I determined before the Lord that day that I would make that change, and I did. Because, you know what? For me, uh, by 7 a.m., I'm in work mode, and everything else shuts off. But especially back then. I mean, it was like I was 7 a.m., and I realized I'm, I'm going to have to get up at 5. You know, Probably one of the greatest things I ever did in my life. Besides getting saved and besides getting married. Okay, so third, number three. Yeah. No, maybe one. No, anyway. Never mind. It was very important. It was very important. One of the best, best things. But life still comes up and challenges it, doesn't it? It still does. You know what? I want the Lord to help us today. It's just etching our minds once again to stir up our hearts once again for His Word. And to put right here, the Holy Spirit of God, put right in the front of our mind how much we need this book. How much we need it. Absolutely. Yeah. If you were to take a survey today, if you were to be a part of Barna's survey, would you be the 11% who read it daily? Would you be the 5% who read it four to six times a week? Would you be the 9% who said, well, I mean, I get it once a week. I don't think, I, I can't imagine anybody in here is like this. But would you be of the 29% say, I just don't read it? I just don't read it. Well, it's hard for me to read. Um, we can get apps now and listen. <laughs> we can get an app on our phone now, and you can even pay a little more money and get that guy, Alexander Scorby, man, he can read. Yeah, the Lord said. I mean, that's like awesome, yeah. You can get that on your phone, and you can listen to it all the time. If you were a part of the survey, where would you be? Where would you be? We desperately need more Bible in 2024. Wherever we are. Wherever we are. Right? More Bible. Is it necessarily more of reading every page, you know, just more pages? No, because sometimes you can read more pages and not get a thing. You're just reading mechanically but we need more of it to be in all of us. Yeah. Because what does more Bible mean? More Bible, more Bible just means more Jesus, right? Absolutely. Where would you be? Where would you be? How are you doing with the Word of God in your life? Is it a priority? Is it number one? Is it number three? Number two? Where is it on the list? Are you in tune with it? Are you in tune with it? Do you look at it? You know what? Any, any good musician, right, who, who wants to, wants their, they want their instrument in tune. There's nothing worse than an out-of-tune instrument. As you play it, you can go, eh, eh, eh. sounds terrible, right? It's just not, it's not, you know what? Our lives start not being very sounding well after a while when we're not in tune. We've got to get in tune. Stay in tune. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we love your, love your word. We're so thankful that you've preserved it. You've given it to us. You've inspired. It's your inspired word. You breathed it. You gave it to us. And you've, inspired, you, you, you've preserved it. And we have it here today. Without a doubt, without an error, we thank you for that. Lord, we just pray you'd help us this year. That wherever the Bible is in our life, wherever it is, I'm, I'm, I have no doubt that so many... In this, in, in this uh, sanctuary this morning, the Bible is number one in their life. They put a great priority on the Word of God. 
And no matter where it is in our life, we know we could always use more. We could always get more of your word. How could we have too much? How can we have too much God? That's the silliest thought in the world. So Lord, maybe you've impressed upon somebody here that they just need to step it up one way or the other. Maybe they need to study more. Maybe this needs to be the year they want to memorize more verses, just get more verses to memory. Maybe this is the year they want to take a, take a verse and one, one chapter and just meditate on it for the year and study. Lord, however you have to, whatever, whatever the need of each individual is in here this morning, Lord, I'm, I know that you'll deal with that and I'm thankful for that. There may be some in here this morning that the Word of God has not, does not have the priority it ought to have. It's low on the list and there's been excuses galore. Lord, would you, would you work in that heart today? Would, would you work in that heart today that today would be the day that they made whatever changes necessary to make your word a priority? Well, thank you for what you do and in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Why don't we stand this morning? People are praying. The instrument's going to play. And however the Lord has spoken to you to this morning, who will, come, who, 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 will, who will make the decision this morning? The altars are open. Who will make the decision this morning to make 2024 the year of more Bible in their life? More Bible. Yeah. The, the altars are open. However, you need to deal with the Lord this morning. Maybe you'll come this morning. Just let them know. Lord, I, 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 need, I want more. I just want more. And I know I, know I do. I know I need it. And I want more. Maybe the Lord has put something on your heart and on your mind. You respond to Him this morning. Just say yes today. And He'll help you make those changes. Maybe you're here this morning. The Word of God has great priority in your life. I just encourage you to keep on. (laughs) Just keep on. Remember before all of the distractions, the electronic distractions? Remember the little three by five cards? You'd memorize verses every week. Remember the, you'd memorize chapters. Remember for all those distractions, right? Oh, look back and start reminiscing. Those were good days. Yeah, Lord, help us to get back to those. The Bible says in Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. Do you know that word vision means revelation of the Word of God? The revelation of the Word of God. Where there is no revelation of the Word of God, people perish. Anybody reckon you think that God knew what we needed? (laughs) Amen.
Amen. May the Lord help us to make more of His Word than we ever have before. May it get into us. May it be a part, be a, uh, just soak into us and, and 